0: If we could talk about time Adam Watch a film today James We'd explain all the plots that confused you Scott And we'd say
1: Welcome to Time Travel Film Club!
2: Hello from the past, present and future, my name's Scott Hamza and thank you so much for listening to the fifth episode of the Time Travel Film Club, a weird, wild and clinically trialled journey across some of the best and some of the worst time travel films throughout our timeline. Joining me as always in the Time Travel Film Club to my right hour resident science guy and friendly good doctor, James Donnelly.
0: And honestly, I'm uh, I'm not against a little bit of sensory deprivation.
2: And we whisked you out of your tank for this recording. To my left, film fact finder extraordinaire and nasty jazz singing doctor, it's Adam Hedges. How dare you? How dare you? You love being compared to Chris Christopherson. You love it.
1: Oh man, I love me some Chris Christopherson.
2: Who who doesn't? Who doesn't? (laughs) Now boys, we are here as always with our collection of 12 time travel movies spread across three decades and five countries. Each episode, our dear listeners join our past selves for a breakdown, analysis and comparison of a time travel film they might not have seen before. Which brings me to today's film, The Jacket. The Jacket was released in 2005, directed by John Maybury, with a screenplay by Massey Tajeddin, and stars Adrian Brody and Kira Knightley, with a little Daniel Craig splashed in as well.
0: Quite a star-studded cast for this
2: film. Maybe the most star-studded cast of, of any of the, definitely, that we've covered so far, right? Let's
1: not forget Chris Christopherson. Uh,
2: yeah, how could, I, how could I do you dirty <laughs> like that, Adam, of course? <laughs> Considering it's such a star-studded film, where did you guys watch this movie? I watched this on Amazon Prime.
0: Yep, same. I watched this on Amazon.
2: And of course, dear listener, if you haven't watched The Jacket and you'd like to, don't worry, give us a pause. We'll be right here when you get back. Go and join Adrian Brody in a winter wonderland and hop back onto the podcast as soon as you're done.
0: Is this film a Christmas movie? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.
2: Before we send you back in time to our past selves, uh, guys, if our lovely listeners would like to get in touch with the Time Travel Film Club, how and where can they do it?
1: They can like us on Facebook at Time Travel Film Club. Uh, They can follow us on Twitter at Time Travel Club.
0: And if you've ever been locked in a morgue drawer, please tell us on our subreddit, r slash Time Travel Film Club, or send an email to timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com.
2: And without further ado, James, Adam, it's time to hop back into the past, visit our past selves, including a Scott Hamza who is just as Iraqi then as I am now for some totally normal and not emotionally invested chit-chat about the Gulf War. Fantastic. Perfect. It's 1991. It's the Gulf War. And everyone is a piece of shit. And I say everyone, I mean the people that were All of the soldiers are all pieces of shit.
0: Okay, in Jack's defence, he doesn't look like he loves it.
1: I didn't know this was going to be a debate. He <laughs> doesn't, I mean... Off. Political but awareness. No. <laughs> he
2: doesn't look like he's loving the war. That's fine. I mean, I too would not have liked the war. I imagine many people were unhappy about it. I but... would not have liked the war. You know, they did it. That's all I can say. It's just not to be sensational, but this speaks to a thing that I have in many, many movies whereby if you position any character in the Iraq war, you can go about like trying to say like, oh, yeah, it's kind of unwillingly. He signed the documents and he went there and yeah, maybe he did it as a as a idiotic 17 year old boy. I don't know that right now. All I see is the guy who's in Iraq when he shouldn't be. Can I just say yeah?
0: Scott, do you have some sort of stake in some Iraqi sort of political interests? Welcome so, to the political um, podcast.
2: Yeah, you know. <laughs> We're only there for a few minutes before we go to Vermont, so it's fine. That's true, and Vermont yeah. is much nicer. I don't know of any war crimes that have happened in Vermont. I, I could stand to be corrected. There's a long history of America, yeah. I, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to Vermont, we, uh, as I say, it's the Gulf War. It is 1991, and our main character, Jack, played by Adrian Brody, who is uh, around 27 years old and falls into the unfortunate, regularly Uh, scene in cinema trope of a child, terrorist, child bomber, child gunman, uh, you know, so, oh, hello, little child. And then he shoots him square in the head. Fantastic aim for that child. And I feel no sympathy whatsoever for Soldier Boy. Straight gunner. So we obviously spend most of this movie with Adrian Brody's character. Jackie is our main character. He's our protagonist. What's your mileage with Adrian Brody? Have you seen him in much other stuff? Have you, would you, you know, is he an actor you know? I don't rate. That's
0: what Uh, um, I'm going to say. I'll be honest. I really struggle to remember the films he's in. Yeah. I I feel like I know I saw him in something before I saw Predators. Well, he's he's definitely
2: the lead in King Kong.
0: King Kong is That's the film, I, film I was thinking of.
2: That's what I always think of. Yeah. yeah. King Kong, the pianist, of course, because oh, he won pianist. the Oscar. Yeah, but yeah. you know, the pianist yeah. is so long ago and it's quite dreary. Com-
0: completely forgot that film yeah. existed. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. No, yeah. King Kong is King Kong is yeah. the one. And so, Predator, Predator, is it Predators or Predator? I think it's
0: Predators is the film he's in. It's like the is it Most... the direct
1: sequel or the latest one
0: No it's the it's the one from about it must be nearly 10 years ago now Yeah
2: Now Jack is he's a soldier he's a veteran now he's uh suffering from retrograde amnesia as a result
1: of what's happened to him he's Can I Retrograde amnesia, is there a big difference between... I I don't really know much about amnesias. I take it it's a type of amnesia you get from trauma?
0: Well, amnesia is a complicated topic. Yeah. There's a lot of evidence that amnesia going forward, so if someone has a condition where they can no longer make memories, those are obvious. We've got things like dementia. We also have times where people will lose the ability to recall certain memories. And retrograde amnesia is basically he has lost some of the memories that he's had in the past. So he could theoretically in the future have another attack of this retrograde amnesia, like, for example, when a cop is being shot right in front of him. And that's basically the gist of how it's happening to him.
1: So he's not completely lost his memories. He's kind of selectively lost points of memory. Correct. Cool.
2: He's, his head has a tough time in this film. He Gosh. takes he takes the gunshot to the head in the first bit. He gets slammed down on the ice uh, at the end. He takes uh, with the copy ends up on the floor. So his head takes a beating, uh, and and retrograde amnesia is unfortunately the result for our dear boy Jack. Now fast forward one year from him having been in the Gulf War and him having been shot in the head, he is in uh, the much lovely Vermont, as you mentioned, James, and uh, he's kind of what would you say nomadic?
1: He's uh, a hitchhiker. He's a vagrant. Vagrant. Yeah. I feel like he might even be on his way back from being dropped off, like he's walking back home. Possibly, maybe I don't know, but it seems more like he's he's likely to be a hitchhiker. Would have thought, but you know, like you see a lot of those kind of army veteran points in movies where they're they've been dropped somewhere off and they're walking back to a location because they don't have vehicles, they don't have any mode of transport.
0: Is that not like the opening of Rambo? Yeah. Oh, actually, now
2: oh, yeah. that I think
1: of it, there are loads of movies that you yeah, begin or a... have a moment where there's just a soldier with his stuff I in a satchel. I just read into it like he's been in the hospital after his injury in Iraq, um, and he's he's taken a while to come back, and this is him coming back home or whatever.
0: Sorry, for my squeaky bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: gonna keep the lid off. Um, I do have one little tidbit that I found out whilst we were looking that actually the dog tags that we'll find out about short sort of shortly. American dog tags from this period didn't have dates of birth on, so that's a little error. Oh, interesting! Interesting. There, yeah. So which, they would have just had like name no, and n- name army and, number. I I think probably just name and. Do they have like squadron, squadron, or something, or like wherever that? Well, you know, whatever, whatever um, group they're from, I guess. Well,
0: we, I mean, we do also know that the army is. It's not obviously an army propaganda film. We've seen a few of those recently, even time travel related ones, but there is definitely not a kind of negative army stance. They do mention Gulf War Syndrome, which is still a hot topic today. Its existence is not believed by some people, and... It's linked to PTSD and all kinds of different conditions, so I, I do think there's a a kind of medium to
2: negative army bias. I'd say, and I think that's maybe a result of the fact that it was uh, written by an Iranian American and uh, directed by a Brit. So there's less of that direct sort of white cornbread uh, Americana pro army kind of stance. Not that that has to be in it, but whenever the army's presented in any kind of fashion, especially when it comes to someone being shot in combat and then being not. To discarded onto the onto the snowy roads of vermont but something along those lines and yet you do see at the at the trial that i mentioned uh that will come up in a little bit you do see the army a general uh lieutenant some guy of rank they're defending and and explaining on behalf of uh, jack so there is some level of positivity i think you're right in the correct ballpark of it just being like you know quite neutral to be honest it does it's not looking to make a statement yeah. about about the war to to a, a grand extent it's more just a, a setup a nice a, a nice way of saying how would someone have got shot in the head and it not be like a violent crime he was and it, he's a hero from the war yeah now i will say as i mentioned the the snowy roads of vermont i love a good movie set in a wonderful snowy uh kind of place some gorgeous kind of scenery you don't see much
1: of it but it does look wonderful this movie was filmed nowhere near vermont no nope not from this not is not even slightly but i booked the tickets oh <laughs> no uh scotland oh that's fine i've scotland. been to scotland i mean we all love scotland yeah. that's great we love scotland um yeah the all of the asylum itself uh that obviously we'll find out about it in a bit um is is a real asylum that was supposed to be knocked down but is still there. You can still I, I mean you can't visit it. It's not like a visitor uh, attraction. Uh, are
0: we sure cuz I'm into that.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: it would be interesting, right? I would definitely um, if they had like decent bedding and and had, you know, cleaned. I yeah. would definitely go. I don't want like a blood-splattered room. I don't know what's going on in the asylum. You don't uh, want
0: his pissy straitjacket jacket,
2: then. <laughs> nor, nor do I. This might also explain the
0: distinct as would your uh, British director was it? Yeah. This John would Maybury, also ex- yeah. Also, would explain why there are quite a few British actors oh, in yeah, this. Yeah, quite a few British. Uh, one that we we won't ever get to, of course, is the fact that we have someone from *Downton Abbey*. Oh right. Oh, I've not
2: seen *Downton, Who's Downton Abbey*. Who's Downton that? Abbots? Oh, is it uh, the other Doctor? Is it the the other Doctor who oh, uh, yeah. Chris Christopherson is disappointed in? You it's... should have taken him out. Yeah. No, it's Damon, the nurse who is the the really nasty security guardish-looking nurse.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's Brendan Coyle. He plays John Bates. In Downton Abbey. Okay. One yeah, of the right.
1: major characters who is accused of murder. That's another one to add to the list. But there's a there's a bunch of British actors though. There. There's the, 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 obvious, got, Daniel, yeah, the obvious Daniel Danny Craig, Daniel Craig and Craig and, uh, and Kira Knightley. And,
2: and Kira Knightley. That obviously yeah. tees up nicely with you now have a British director, and it was filmed in Scotland. So really you've made Chris Christopherson and Jennifer Jason Lee do the journey, uh, playing Becker and Becker and Lawrence, and they've been the ones who flew over. Everyone yeah. else has stayed stayed home. Yeah. But it does, as I said, it does look lovely. Scotland of Vermont, it looks fantastic. And so then as he's uh, walking along this road, he get we get our first sort of interaction of Jack with any of the other main cast members of this story. We get uh, uh, Jack... With meeting young Jackie, who is on the side of the road uh, next to a broken down truck and her very sozzled mother, who is just in a complete state of disarray. She It looks like 3am outside the kebab shop in Luton.
0: Adrian Brody, of course, he's a gentleman here, so he immediately steps in to help, distracts the child, just gives away his dog tags, which I feel like is a big step.
2: It's big mean, deal. I thought it was a really uh, big deal. Yeah, it seemed to be both weird. logistically that's identification. You know, you need to be able to prove you were in the yeah. honor, GDPR, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, but then also just you'd never met this young girl before, and it just feels like a bit too heavy-handed a way of saying like he's a good guy. And to add on to his
0: potentially not a good guyness, even though he fixes the car, he just allows this
2: clearly drunk woman oh, to God. drive away with her child. Yeah, I know it's a whole world thing. We all don't like drunk drivers i find it like particularly jarring not just the it's not just that, that there is a drunk driver it's that he just says go for it with a child yeah. in the, it's so layered bad it's so not okay just skipped past it like yeah well you know i fixed the i fixed the truck yeah <laughs> so as you said we go through james we go through uh him fixing the car nice gentlemanly helpful jack uh, him giving the dog tags to a young jackie and uh and walking off and then we get another fast forward we had our first fast forward from from 1991 the gulf war to 1992 in vermont we are still in vermont probably only like a fast forward of maybe 10 or 15 minutes maybe he's just walked up the road we don't know exactly but he's still walking up the road and he gets picked up by a man who's only billed a character only billed as the stranger in in the in the credits it's brad renfro an actor who i've seen in one or two movies here and there but he passed Way before his time, he passed in, I, I want to say, the early 2000s. Oh, really? Oh, he was... Con- uh, Brad Renfro, I found out about Brad Renfro from the reports of his passing and how many celebrities and how many actors and how many, like, very good, well-respected actors said that he was such a loss because he was such a talent and mm. i've always heard there's one or two performances out there i just haven't hunted them down mm. of his that are very good and so i think the fact that he's in this movie in 2005 yeah. and it's not a big role by any means i would i would say that his screen time is less than four minutes altogether. it's still quite a pivotal role and it's it's one that demands like a certain level of like aggression and and uh, uh not cynicism what's the word sinister ism being sinister sinisterly mm. you know what i mean he needs to be a bit sinister, and I think he pulls it off well, Zach, in that. Uh, I think, by the way, I don't know where you guys sit on this. Uh, I should ask, actually, have either of you ever picked up a hitchhiker?
0: I've not actually ever picked up a hitchhiker, but it is actually on my list of things to do. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. My Let's list feel. of things to do, I was like, I feel like something to do before I die would be to pick up a
2: hitchhiker. Are you... Adam, have you I'm ever... bothered by that.
1: Have you ever picked up a hitchhiker? No, no, not at all.
2: Okay. Not uh, at all, never it, would. It's not on my list. Is it in any way <laughs> as attractive a prospect, James, to be a hitchhiker?
0: Well, here's the thing. It, I'm slightly jaded on this because my dad hitchhiked across Europe and regularly tells me stories about how the best period of his life was hitchhiking from Scotland to Holland. So I, I
1: feel like it would be a very exciting... If you were doing something like that and you were like, I'm not going to use transport of my own i think it would be quite an exciting thing to do and he did it in a kilt i i wouldn't do it in america
2: I think I wouldn't do Ooh. it in a kilt in America, but I, I mean, the breeziness of a kilt would be lovely on those on those hot summer days in those hot, sweaty cabins of truckers who will murder you. <laughs> um, both are off the table for me, completely and utterly, on the basis of there's just too much danger in both regard. Yeah. But I especially think that the picking up of a hitchhiker, as a man who drives a lot and has, you know, uh, never picked up a hitchhiker and never will, there are frequently times when I don't want the people I like and love to be in the car with me. So... <laughs> and so he's picked up by Brad Renfro they get chat in and we fast forward to this to 1992 he's in a courtroom our boy jack is now being tried for the murder of a police officer what could have happened we did see the police officer kind of approaching the back of the car as as the stranger and Jack and their sort of chit-chat uh, as it came to an ending. We saw the police car in the background. Fast forward, oh my goodness, Jack has killed a police officer. He's being tried. And as I mentioned earlier on the army general lieutenant, something or other, he uh, he mentions, what was the, you mentioned the syndrome? Gulf War syndrome. Gulf War syndrome. He mentions Gulf War syndrome. And so Jack is treated as someone who did not have full responsibility for his actions and and did kill that police officer. And so he gets sentenced to, an asylum. Did anyone catch the name of the asylum? I didn't. Alpine. Alpine Grove. Correct. That's very, like, vanilla. Yeah. That's the name. Alpine
1: yeah. Grove. Alpine sounds Grove. Like a it sounds more course. like a retirement home, I think. I was going to go golf course, but both. Have, oh, yeah, golf course. Yeah, yeah. And, but I'm yeah, with yeah. you on retirement. Home Honestly, as well. yeah,
2: yeah. Ski Lodge. Ski Lodge. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Ski Lodge. And so Jack is now in the asylum, which we now know to be in, in lovely Scotland. It's as rough as an, as an asylum would be. In general, you know, you are locked up and, and he's being fed pills uh, morning, noon and night. But it gets even rougher for our boy Jack because then we get sort of moving into the next segment of the movie. Jack is is, is taken snatched late at night by some very rough, very, uh, what's the word? Un-hos- inhospitable? Some very, they're not good hosts. Poor they? bedside manner. Very poor bedside manner. Uh, and these very, you know, inhospitable, poor bedside manner. Uh, uh, hospital workers, asylum workers, they take him down to the basement. They take him down to the morgue. Draw. What's the morgue? Draw room. The mortuary. Is it mortuary? I mean, just morgue. Just morgue. The morgue. Yeah. Draw room. He. Uh, so he goes down to the to the <laughs> to the room of the morgue drawers, and uh, awaiting him is everyone's favorite Santa lookalike, Chris Christopherson, playing the, the aforementioned Doctor Becker, of course. Uh, gentleman Chris Christopherson. I think we're all unified in the fact that he is Blade's assistant.
1: Yes, correct. Nothing. I, interestingly enough, I I knew him for his musical career. Musical? Musical yeah, career? Yeah, did you not know Chris of Christopherson? Of course not. Chris is a... Yeah, yeah, a very pretty famous recording artist. Country music? Um, I wouldn't call it... It's kind of country. It's more Urban like jazz. Sad jazz. Sad jazz. <laughs> I'll play some you some later. <laughs> Chris Christopherson, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, a man yeah. of many
2: talents. Mm-hmm. Helping the immortal vampires and uh, banging out the blues. <laughs> Now, Chris Christofferson, uh, Dr. Becker, uh, we've mentioned both uh, he and Jennifer Jason Lee playing Dr. Lawrence, and we will meet Dr. Lawrence later, but uh, Dr. Becker is very much the naughty doctor. Jennifer Jason Lee being the nice doctor and they sort of ping pong uh, Jack back and forth between them over the course of this movie. Dr. Becker announces his naughty doctor nurse by immediately sort of instructing. I don't even know if he instructs him in the moment. It's more just that he's watching as these bad, uh, uh, bad actors, these, these rogue nurses. Uh, they wrap Adrian Brody up in It's less of a straitjacket and it more looks like the containment unit from the video game Bioshock has been sort of shrunk down and shrink wrapped around this guy because there's sort of like almost a porthole. There's a couple of zips. It's weirdly steampunk. It's like it's the straitjacket enthusiast's favorite straitjacket he owns. And so they tie him up like incredibly, incredibly tightly. And I did wonder like why, you know, you can secure him. Why do you need to tie him up that tightly?
0: Well, t- tightly enough that surely previous ones have literally wet themselves in this. We see it's horrifyingly wet stained, yellow stains around the crotch. And I think at one point, uh, Chris Christopherson even says that he keeps them contained for the treatment.
1: This might be a good time to mention where this, um, this kind of storyline comes from. So uh, the, the movie is based on a 1915 story. Um, by Jack London um, yeah, another, um, another link to Sound of Thunder Can I just say link, Based yeah. on an old time yeah, travel Yeah old time travel movie I didn't realise this until recently Oh like, the
2: same year Sound of Thunder uh, No 50s that was Sorry but... I mean Sound, uh, sorry, Sound of oh. Thunder The movie is 2005 is it not The oh, the yeah. And this is 2005 oh.
0: And they are both
2: time travel movies loosely <laughs> Based yeah. on very old Sorry keep going yeah. I'm very interested But that is
1: a link I did not expect I'm going to read you the quick plot Of the, it's only like a couple of lines, but a framing story is told in the first person by Daryl Standing, a university professor serving life imprisonment in San Quentin State Prison for murder. Prison officials try to break his spirit by means of a torture device called the jacket, a canvas jacket which can be tightly laced so as to compress the whole body, inducing angina. So it's almost a point for pardon. So
2: the tightness of the jacket is actually there's a point to the tightness
1: it's killing you like you're in a boa constrictor and then and then standing the character in the book discovers how to withstand the torture by entering a kind of trance state in which he (laughs) walks among the stars and experiences portions of past lives so like in the in in that book it is literally like they're compressing him to torture him and obviously it's a I don't really know what we're getting at in the jacket. I want that aspect of that. I know. I know compressing
2: someone to induce angina that he resists by going into a trance-like state, then transcending existence.
1: Yeah. Nineteen fifteen. That's not this movie. This movie's what? (laughs) I I want to see that movie. (laughs) That sounds great. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And that's it. It's not called the jacket. It's called the Star Rover. Oh, Um. I see. Yeah. So it's like I think it's more a space. Sort of, yeah. Uh,
2: it sounds like it's got a lot yeah, more
1: going on, transdimensionally. Type so they thing made this time travel, but they made this movie and wanted to sort of
2: focus more on that jacket, less on yeah. the stars and the yeah, ro- focus and the roving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mentioned Chris Christopherson and his character. Separate to Chris Christopherson and his obviously musical uh, talents, his character Doctor Becker is the. Would you, you know, would you say antagonist in this movie? He's, you know, he's one of the bad guys. He's one of the the negatives. He's not a good person. He gets somewhat of a not redemptive arc towards the back end, but he becomes somewhat sympathetic towards the back end when you see that he is indeed haunted by his actions fifteen years later. But in this moment that we see
1: him, he's a nasty piece of work. Oh,
0: he's a Nurse Ratchet kind of character. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's a, a good comparison. comparison. Yeah.
1: I I also felt it's kind of like he he's one of those people that is trying to fulfill what he thinks is his duty. He's doing experiments into this into this weird new type of mental. Um... Procedure, I guess you would call it, but he's n- he's not a nice man with it, though.
2: I think he feels some sense of like he's doing a good thing, even though it's he's doing bad actions for a good reason. Because yeah. he mentions that one of the previously negative incidents with uh Tom or Todd Casey or Trent Casey, something Hang like on, I've that. Got it. His name
0: is Ted Casey.
2: So Ted, Ted Casey. He mentions that Ted Casey abducted and uh, sexually assaulted a, a girl. Sodomized. That's the word he used. Jesus. Uh, he sodomized a girl. So. I honestly think that he has no remorse for what he's doing to these
1: people.
0: Oh, yeah, he's doing bad things, but he's doing them to bad people to make them better.
1: Well, actually, then it does link closer to that original story than because it's torture in that one. They're being punished. So there is a punishment element here, I think, particularly not so much with Jack. But I feel like it's it's definitely a punishment thing with with Ted
2: Casey before. And so that punishment is, as we as we touched upon, wrapped very tight. Admittedly, this movie, unlike the 1915 story, doesn't do anything to highlight sort of angina or any of that kind of stuff. But it's pitched much more as a sensory deprivation kind of thing. And we mentioned in our previous episode, uh, Los Cronocrimenes Crimenes has mild, very elements of like the sensory deprivation in the Milky mm. Pit of Destiny.
0: The milk tank, we loved it. Yeah, milk
2: tank. <laughs> and But this is genuine sensory deprivation. This is the yeah. kind of thing... The first time I saw this was Ben Affleck's 2003 Daredevil film, when Daredevil spends his time sleeping in that metal tank that's half full of water and so is. And that was oh yeah, my education into what sensory deprivation um, can be. I, I think you forget Lisa in The Simpsons having her sensory deprivation. Oh, I forgot oh, yeah. about that. That is a good point. See, yeah, I didn't make the link, but that, yeah, there is a good point. Anyway, so this torture is somewhat... Using sensory deprivation to the benefit, he essentially, on his first first go in the box, Jack, is shoved in by uh, uh, by Doctor Becker for three hours, and this is unlike any of the other trips where it's much much longer. Uh, this one is just 3 hours he's been injected with a, a bevy of drugs slammed into the locker uh, like a Domino's pizza and left to stew for a couple of hours torturous yes very bad yes uh, agonizing but like the sense of complete disregard as as if they are literally I joked as uh, that he's a pizza but they are literally just chucking something into the oven and seeing that, that it's it's amoeba in a petri dish and they're just like spin it so let's see how it goes but uh, instead of cooking he starts to have visions mm. of his past and future low and Behold. Yeah. Lo and behold. Which at that point in the movie, it's fine. He's been he's been dosed up with drugs and he's just tripping out. sensory deprivation. He's in a box for three hours. He's going mental. He has been shot in the head, and he's also gone through an episode we know in which at this point we think he may have shot a policeman. So he's had multiple episodes. He's dosed up and he's in a box. Fair enough, trip.
0: I missed something I wanted to say earlier. Back when we were talking about the stranger. He has a of phrase that I loved. And wrote down, we've all heard, it's colder than a witch's teat. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I, I heard this as well, but I didn't write it down. So
0: Colder than a witch's tit in a brass bra doing push-ups in the snow.
2: <laughs> Eloquent. Poetic. Excellent. Excellent. That's, that's the kind of poetry Very we poetic. needed from The Stranger, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jack then meets uh, Daniel Craig's character, Rudy. And uh, just absolutely not, I'm not here for it. I am, there are so many things in this movie I am here for. I am here for the, and uh, I, I mean the bad stuff and the weird stuff. There's so much stuff that I can just get on board with. Big old Danny Craig's Rudy in this movie in 2005, I don't. I, I don't like it, guys. James, I don't like it.
0: Uh, I completely understand. that The character, I'm not loving it, the supposedly killed tried to kill his wife hundreds of times, which we later find out is apparently a lie. He's he just yeah, he a says, shopping.
2: oh yeah, I tried to kill my wife uh, a couple hundred times. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a hard nut to crack. Yeah, booyah.
1: I'll tell you what I didn't quite get with this was that Casino Royale is a year later.
2: That's a big turnaround from this
1: role to yeah. that role. He is a different actor by Casino Royale.
0: And at this point, we're, we're 20 minutes into the film, and we finally get our first piece of time travel, which is the second round in the box. Round two, baby. So at this point, he's going back into the box, back into the jacket for his second attempt. I believe this time he's supposedly more cooperative, except he
2: immediately punches Dr. Becker in the
0: face, so that's not
2: quite true. Gets a nice lick in. Good for you, Jack. Mm-hmm. He is a bad guy. I like it.
0: So he's violently thrown into the jacket, thrust into the box. He has a few visions back and forth before suddenly peace and quiet.
2: Boom. he's just there. I initially wrote this down as like, oh, he's he's time traveled and I had to pull it back from but he doesn't know he's time traveled for a good little while, for another 10-15 minutes. He's just he's just somewhere. He has translocated.
0: As someone who's got amnesia, I imagine this might be something that's happened before where he's just found himself standing in a place and he doesn't know why. Yeah, oh, that's a good
1: point. That's that's uh, it lost me a little bit, but I think probably that kind of explains it away because I was like, why is he somewhere that we know he hasn't been? yet but maybe he has been to that place maybe it's like a you can kind of find the coordinates but you can't remember the people maybe there's a selective memory thing going on yeah that makes more sense to me actually it,
2: it was around this this point that i started to toy with the idea of maybe this is all in his head mm-hmm. and that maybe there is he goes in the box and everything from the second you see him slid in to slid out is all in his head the movie will try to convince you it's not for then a big twist reveal at the end because there's this whole hang-up and i still have a little bit of a hang-up about yes your your brain and consciousness goes somewhere but how has your physical body gone there With some new- on.
1: Oh, I didn't even clock the new clothing. Also, also, there we are. There's that kind of point that he makes in a bit um, where he he they go to the box when he's still inside it. He makes that point about saying, "I'm in the box," which now. I really
2: enjoyed that moment. It's uh, yeah. I think it's round five uh, when he's yeah, gone. Sorry, forward. I've jumped ahead a bit, but no, I, no, it kind of it. fits
1: with what we're talking about because I was a bit like, "Well, does he move out of the box or does his mind?" Does he, does he travel? Does he genuinely believe
2: i'm still in this box in 1992 yeah. because if you've transported you are not in that box in 1992 you, you are know. stood there in ni- in 2007
1: yeah it's almost like his being has moved to a different uh, an alternate time version of his body
0: except we do learn that his body is at some point buried in a grave yes so his body is in a box but not that
1: box yeah slightly different box
2: and so he, tra- as I mentioned, he kind of translocates for the purposes of, of what he knows at this moment. He is just appears outside this diner that Kira Knightley saunters out of. And again, for the second time, he gets picked up hitchhiker style. And, it, you know, they have a little like not meet cute. It's very much a meet broken. It's like they are, you know, it's not it, there's nothing cute about their meeting, but they are still you can tell the, the, the blossoming of some kind of relational stuff.
0: I understood the first hitchhiking moment. He puts his thumb out. A guy picks him up. Says, "Where do you want to go?" I'm going to the border. It makes sense. In this one, he's just standing, looking confused. Keira Knightley kind of gives him a weird, dirty look. Gets in the car, leaves, and then goes. Do you know what that man? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna
1: go talk to him and pick him up for no reason. Yeah, he's not standing like a, like someone that I think I would pick up. The only thing I will say is, and again, I, you know, maybe this is
2: what the movie's doing. I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm either or. Is that. She has met this guy before. She has, as a child, met him in 1992 by the roadside. He fixed her mother's car. And that kind of stuff does stay with you you as a child. Mm. Maybe not the strict thing of I know exactly what that person looks like. But I have something sometimes in my memory where people from like a long time ago, I can remember them, but only from the shoulder down. I don't remember the head. I just (laughs) remember what they were wearing sometimes, Um, you know.
0: I actually had a slightly weird experience like this a few years ago where I was going into a, a shop in my local town, going up an escalator. There was a woman on the other side coming down the escalator and I just couldn't understand it. We locked eyes and she was looking at me confused and I was looking at her confused and we passed each other and only when I got to the top of the escalator did I realise that she was someone I knew from my childhood. Hmm. Obviously, she's aged, I've aged a lot more and she was stood at the bottom, and I kind of was like, are you Nikki?" And she was like, yeah, are you James? And it turns out she was a woman whose house my brother and I would go to after school before my mother got home from work. Oh, I see. <laughs> and I just, I hadn't seen her in 15-plus years, and just my brain went, you
2: know that woman. Yeah, straight Very away. Strange. And yeah. so maybe there's, there's an element of that, and I yeah. think... Leading into what I want to say next about um, Kira Knightley's Jackie, she's not a uh, uh, particularly, she's quite impulsive, um, or at least impulsive to the extent where she's totally happy to invite a guy, you know, pick up the guy, invite him back to hers. Yes, you can stay on my sofa. And then the way that she kind of helps him thereafter.
0: I mean, her judgment is, I'm going to drink a bottle of vodka while driving. This is, and yeah, this is like the biggest, mother, like daughter.
2: <laughs> the biggest immediate indication. Yeah. I didn't, I'm glad you mentioned that, Adam, yeah. I didn't pick up when I was watching this that I, you I was so, again, jarred by. She's drinking while she's driving. What is it with this movie? What are they trying to say about people that I didn't put the link together of, oh, yeah, okay, so, you know, who else have I seen drinking? It was the mother of a small yeah. girl, so this must be the small girl. You don't yeah. know her name's Jackie. You don't know who she is. You just know that Kira Knightley's rocked up at this point. Yeah.
0: They do like to put some links in this film between the mother and daughter. In fact, in just a few moments' time, in this sort of oncoming scene, there's a moment where Jack removes a lit cigarette from her hand while she's passed out on the sofa, which we later discover is what killed her mother. We also have another slightly weird moment where if
1: I invite a stranger into my house, even on
0: Christmas Eve, my first thought isn't to have a bath.
1: Yeah, she she's so impulsive and it comes it comes through in this sequence. She's like, immediately do you want a drink? I I don't want to know your name. I'm gonna go and have a bath.
2: I don't she says, I I don't want to meet you. I I may want to help you tonight but I don't want to know you. Yeah. I don't want to know you really, which mm. is, you know, it's very kind Weird of like turn of emo mm. song written in 2003. It it's a Out <laughs> yeah, boy yeah. B side, you know, I don't want to know you. I don't want to meet you that kind of thing, yeah. but I will help you. Uh, I, you know, it was, it's a bit sort of dipped in the times, but I do also wonder,
0: is this just an excuse for the topless scene that we get next?
2: And I, uh, you speak to a larger thing of, I think, Kira Knightley's entire, this this whole scene with her, the coming home, the drinking, I'm going to go have a bath, uh, an egregious uh, topless scene that you don't need. Uh, but the, the smoking in the bath, the do you want to drink twice, she asks him over the course of the night, you know, the uh, uh, lonely bottle of vodka in the thing. It's really knuckling down on. She is this weird, in my opinion, at least, a weird amalgamation of like, Broken, scuzzy, grunge girl, br- uh, you know, troubled emo kind of vibes, uh, but also like manic pixie dream girl.
0: Oh, yeah. And we've got she's constantly biting her lips as she looks at him weirdly from a distance. The, that lip bite where they
2: pause on it
0: uh, for a while. And then we've also got the romantic dinner that he constructs from the off produce in her fridge.
2: It looks awful. I'm sorry, Jack. You are
1: a uh, chef, you are not to my friend. He has normal bread,
0: she has a burger bun.
1: That's right. one thing I wrote down in my notes. Uh,
0: uh,
2: I love <laughs> that
1: you that focused
0: on that. Just,
2: yeah.
1: I didn't care about anything else I was like they don't look like
2: appealing sandwiches I find Kira Knightley in this and it's it's unfortunate I, I pair her with Daniel Craig uh, over the course of this movie in that I, I do not care too much for the performance I understand what she's trying to do I think it is just a bit much and quite frankly I don't know if that's necessarily uh, a blame you would lay at the feet of Daniel Craig and Kira Knightley more you would lay at the feet of the director of John Mabry and say like how did you let these guys do this did you walk up to them and say I need more like seven times times and over you know Do you say i just need to feel bite your lip harder
1: kira bite yes. it harder look into the camera and bite your lip kira. for goodness
2: sake um daniel uh that that hair dye is not black enough my friend you're gonna have to double down on that across yeah. the board um Spot. it's yeah she's doing she's doing a lot of scenery chewing and she is doing a lot of really slow agonizing to watch physical acting that just kind of is yeah and so after we get, the you know, the bath scene and the food scene and a couple of like, oh, maybe he is a nice guy and, oh, there's something going on between these two, we get the reveal and it's the return of the dog tags that he should never have given away in the first place, but Kira Knightley has them. This is when we get her named as she is Jackie. She was young Jackie. Now she is normal age Jackie. She's Jackie Prime. She's Jackie Solo. And in turn, Jack reveals to Jackie i'm just just saying the word jack so much in various forms it's starting to mess up my mouth it's 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 jack and jackie and jack and jackie i it's mean
0: there and thereafter we just the way to rename this film is just it's jack jackie in the
2: jacket <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> jack, <who? Yeah. laughs> yes that is it Oh jack jackie in the jacket that's a mouth that's a tongue teaser if there ever was one. when they wrote this movie they must have gone to
1: the j section and been like we need some character names this page will do
2: that's not okay. I mean I'm, I that's haven't stopped really to weird. think about it. I never stopped to think about yeah. the fact that there is Jack and it's Jackie and they're in the jacket. Why mm. is Chris Christofferson's not Dr. Jacques? Why is Dr. The, <laughs> you know, Jacques Becker? Yeah, the, you know, it's oh no. Oh no. That like brings it down so hard in my <laughs> estimations. I hate this movie now. That is a
1: better name for it though. Jack Jackie and oh, the Jack, jacket. Oh, Jack Jackie in the jacket much yeah, better. Yeah. That's what it's called now.
2: So Jack reveals to Jackie in the movie *The Jacket* that uh, uh, he is Jack, and uh, after Jackie has in turn released, I'm embracing it now. I'm yeah, going doing, for it. Yeah, yeah, roll with it. Yeah, uh, the, she has the dog tags. He is Jack, and she she kind of crumbles. She breaks down. She's having a a moment. It's too much. She says, "No, you know, you died. What was the what was the date? It was 1993 on New Year's Day, New Year's January 1st, January. 1993. Okay." Again, there's a, there's a thing this movie does. This movie takes on board the responsibility, as we've seen other time travel movies not do, of dating things, of mm. time stamping moments. We see, you know, we, we've just come off the back of Los Crono Crimenes, which just says up top, it's 90 minutes backwards and forwards. You know, just keep that 90 minutes in your head. This movie does a bit more and, and makes the... Not makes the audience, but offers up the audience to do a bit more work for themselves if they want to by tracking the actual dates. They spell it out a bit later on down the line of like, oh, it's four days. But if you paid attention up to this point, as I did not, can I say, you will have realized like, oh, it was Christmas-ish time uh, when he back in 1992 when he leaves. And, uh, and she's saying that he dies on New Year's Day. What a bad uh, 12 days of Christmas,
1: can I just say? I think a lot of a lot of the, the kind of date importance in this is just to make everything seem a bit more tragic. Like she lives on her... Uh, Christmas is like a family oh. time. She lives on her own. He's spending Christmas in a mental institution. I think that's more... Because like, I was like, Christmas is an odd choice for this because there's no other reference to Christmas. Like they aren't... You don't see people like putting up Christmas decorations or anything. I think it's literally just these are characters that are isolated from, from other people when you should be enjoying Christmas with people. I think that's where I went to with that.
0: I mean, we've also got Chris Christopherson reveals that he's religious in, I think, the very next scene. And then later on, we find him at a church. Yeah. So there is a kind of bit of Christian mythos going on around mm. here. I'm not entirely sure why, but I do mm.
2: there is. Again, maybe with Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson. Chris Christopherson, Chris Kringle. Chris Tof- Santa. Tof- is Top he Santa? Are you, you even compared him to Santa earlier. I yeah. did. I think he's like a rogue Santa. Rogue I, Santa, Santa. Yeah, yeah, I think he's like... Um, At
0: this point, we do find out that it is only four days until Jack is going to die. So he's now on a time window of he knows when his death's coming. He knows it's in only a couple of days. And he also knows there's only one way in which he's able to avoid it. And he talks to our friend, Daniel Craig, a.k.a. Rudy, and says to him, Hey, have you you ever been in that box downstairs? Have you ever been in the jacket? To which Rudy says, Yeah, I have, mate
2: all day
1: yeah all me and the jacket in there now
2: good buddies do you believe him at the moment we're in a, we're in an insane
1: asylum and uh, he seems to know things that would give away the fact that he had been in the box
0: yeah he says if you calm down you can go forwards as yeah. opposed
2: to we assume reliving the past So after his chat with Danny Craig, uh, after his chat with Rudy, and, you know, I'm still uncertain about whether or not to believe Rudy in that moment. I don't know how much Jack believes Rudy in that moment, but he at least gets the instruction from Rudy of if you focus on the future. Whilst you're inside the the, the morgue drawer, if you focus on the future, that's where you'll go. If you focus on what you need and what you want, that's where you'll end up. And so Jack develops a new motivation. I'm going to get myself back in the morgue drawer, whatever matters. He causes a big ruckus at a a large group therapy session with the help of Rudy. And so the end result is it's round three. He's going back in the drawer another time round. We also, this time round, as he's going, as he slams himself back into the Domino's drawer and and starts cooking, we get a proper glimpse of what happened between uh, the uh, the stranger Jack as he was picked up as a hitchhiker and the death of this policeman, the the reason that Jack was sentenced in uh, to prison, and we see what plays out is that actually the stranger shot the policeman. The straight you know, Brad Renfro's character, he's a he's just an absolute nutter. He's a nasty piece of work. He'd been to prison before. He alludes to it and he doesn't want to go back again. Did you catch? the policeman saying that he had pulled him over because he was driving too slow
0: yeah i i I wondered about that and i wondered if it was anything to do with he'd picked up the hitchhiker because i know that's not necessarily legal in america
1: well and also i don't know i I only just picked up on it very briefly literally just before the police officer pulls him over it looks like he's falling asleep and before this they did discuss sharing driving so i wonder whether the police officer is like this guy's driving a bit erratically. Maybe he's like weaving a bit on the road or maybe you slowed down because what it's like when you're tired and you're trying to drive. And I figured maybe it was more that to be honest. That's fair. I mean, but, to be honest, as I'm saying it
2: now, I realize
1: that maybe it's just one of those
2: things of the police have started driving behind you. So you've slowed down to not look dodgy we because all do you it. are dodgy. Yeah. And then uh, like uh, the, the stranger is a dodgy guy. So of yeah. course he doesn't want to look dodgy. He's slowed down too much. And then, but either way.
0: And now we understand why Jack doesn't remember anything because as the gunshot goes off, he suffers what we have to assume is pretty intense PTSD from his time in the war. Yeah. And he falls face down in the snow.
2: And so, he, yeah, and this is, uh, uh, as I mentioned up top, this is sort of second, uh, chrono- chrono- chronologically, this is the second bad uh, moment for Jack's head that we get to witness. We have him being shot in the head in, in the Gulf War and then we have him uh, uh, being involved in this uh, aggressively uh, traumatic, post-traumatic stress disorder episode.
0: Interestingly, you may remember last episode, we had a question from a fan, Superfan Anne. Ah, yes. Superfan Anne, Superfan Anne is back. She, <laughs> she has a second question for us about this film. Okay. So she wants to know whether or not we think that there is a link between his head injury and amnesia and his ability to time travel.
2: Very interesting. I thought there was a large chunk of this film where I was under exactly the same, I was in exactly the same zone as Anne was i i thought well why would they have bothered showing us yes they need to give him amnesia yes that you know because it just helps the 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 inner workings of how his character can navigate some of the information dumps and, and some of the hooks plotline wise but he needs to get into a mental asylum somehow he has to get into the asylum or he has to get into the asylum which is why he's the stranger thing happens but also he has to have the amnesia so which is why he's in the gulf war and gets shot in the head but does the does the does him being shot in the head is that the reason why he is able to time travel and why the box thing works there was a point when because the box thing the morgue drawer isn't. They don't show you. This is exactly
1: how it works. This is how he is able to time travel. One thing I did think, as we were kind of talking about it earlier, was whether because he only has a selective amount of memories, maybe he is able to access those memories more easily because there's just less of them. So you think to kind of see what I mean? So like, oh, I see. Instead of having an entire past behind you to like access, he's only got certain ones. So maybe. Mentally, he is able to recall those memories more vividly because they are. So do we think? So maybe I, th- I think Anne is kind of right in a way. I think there's a little. I think the the head injury is what I think one of the reasons why he may be able to access. So do we that think kind of more?
0: Do we think that's potentially why Rudy may also have had this experience? Because perhaps if you're suffering some sort of psychological break, you are more fluid,
1: flexible able to I mean, perceive this i thought it was bizarre that he is jack is so quickly chosen to be put in the jacket
0: i mean
2: it's day two I mean? or something well then, he's but... a he
1: is a cop killer as yeah. far as they know so, so and, and becca is
2: going for the baddest of the
1: bad and they will also know he has ptsd from being in the gulf war oh yeah I and amnesia that, yeah so you know i i don't know if there's if if it's it's a, a bit too broad but i think maybe that might be a, a a reason behind it i would say that um the so him having been shot
2: in the head uh slash suffering retrograde amnesia and they kind of compared together but they are they they are obviously different things but him adrian jack having experienced that there is no direct link in this movie to tell you that is why this, no. that shot in head box uh, of time travel. Also, and I will say we've touched upon this in, in, in some chit chats in prep for this episode is that the mind and his his mind is being greatly affected when he's in that morgue box and his mind is greatly affected by the shot to the brain and his mind is greatly affected by retrograde amnesia and his mind and his mind and his mind there is nothing whatsoever to explain why his body would then be able to transfer itself to 2007. No no. And I've mentioned the reading of this movie is potentially that the entire thing's in his head and he's, he lives in a box and that's kind of it but there's there's way too much evidence to kind of physically place him in 2007. Oh, yeah.
0: Another question I sort of want to ask, because we do keep saying the morgue draw and the box, but the film is called The Jacket. Is it the jacket that's giving him the the power to travel? Is it the cocktail of drugs he's on? Is it the draw? Because, we, as I said, Christofferson says he is being contained. But which one is it? Because there's kind of three potential you outcomes. You raise a good
2: point. I think, in essence, we are asking, what's
1: the time machine here? Is yeah. it the jacket? Is it the boxer? Is it the bullet? Yeah. yeah. So part of me thinks because the jacket is a form of torture in the, in the original novel and he the character uses it a, of a way to escape when he's in the box, he kind of calms himself down and gets out of it that way. Maybe that's maybe it's more the box i i don't know i would say more the box to be honest oh,
0: i think cuz it's called the jacket it's the jacket yeah
2: i know i think there's a it's very, very a, muddy. if i had to pick jacket box or bullet i'm saying jacket i think it's a saucier. Okay. i also like it as an addition to the roster of time machines that we have thus far
0: we've already got box so we've jacket's a nice one yeah,
2: okay. boxes <laughs> are plenty no, i'm saying bullet. but i also Bucky think Buzz. that it the movie and this is uh, not specifically a criticism of the movie, it's, but it's more just an addressing of its existence. I I think that, you know, a movie can do this if it wants to. It doesn't have to if it doesn't want to. It doesn't tell you. It doesn't care to tell you exactly why. It cares to show you the show you the events and show you the, the you know, the story that's unfolding, but it sets up that potentially maybe there's something with his, am, uh, his retrograde amnesia or the bullet. Potentially it's the jacket. Potentially it's the morgue box and the bevy of drugs and the torturous nature of it all. And I still think there is a little element in this and maybe they just put it in as a misdirect. Maybe they put it in as a we can use this if we want to, if it doesn't track well with with test audiences, is that the whole thing was in his head and he was dead the whole time or something along those lines. Because let us not forget, and I don't mean to sort of uh, exhaust the topic, but let us not forget how he ends up in this movie. He dies in the box on his final round. And is also transported to two thousand and seven and gets to live on in two thousand and seven. Mm.
0: Very reminiscent of Avatar, the blue yeah. people film. Oh where wow, Jake, yeah. Jake that's Sui is dying at the base of the tree just as he is transporting into his Avatar body and is therefore able to survive
2: yeah i absolutely didn't think of that but yeah mm. that's a great tangent yeah. uh, a great tangent great uh, uh parallel that notion of him dying in the box leads me to believe that there's something that they had in mind they don't sp- tell you in the movie mm. but there's something they had in mind to do with it's his consciousness that's transporting it's his yeah. and granted if it's only his consciousness or only his essence or spirit then what exactly does Kira Knightley have sex with in 2007 we do not know oh. a genie so we're still in round three we you know uh we've discussed what we think the 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 box and or the jacket is doing but as it's doing its thing on him he pops back over to 2007 and now he's a man on a mission he knows he dies in four days back in 1992 and so he also doesn't have to go to any uh uh, large lengths I would say to have what we call the convincer chat with Jackie now in the future he walks into her cafe and she's not you know screaming get out get out like she was the last time did you
0: notice a very jarring fact about this scene. Smoking indoors in a cafe. Oh yeah.
2: I'm not as jarred by that specifically but I will say in line with jarring smoking um, everyone in this movie smokes really aggressively. Everybody. And, yeah. and loads of people in this movie smoke.
1: Always the same brand of cigarette too. Is it? Marlboro? That I didn't every that. single time, a classic it's a definitely a, yeah, advertisement.
2: Definitely a, yep. Yeah, yeah uh, uh Doctor Lawrence and Jennifer Jason Lee smokes. Kira Knightley smokes. The mother smokes. Is it all just the women who smoke in he, this movie? He's
0: offered a cigarette, but I don't know if I don't think he smokes it.
2: Oh no, he uh, He does smoke when he's first in his cell. Jack smokes as he's when he's just in the asylum before he's ever abducted. Yeah. You just see him there, smoking, passing the time, swallowing pills. You know, just bored until he's then abducted. Right. It's a small little montage. But yeah, tons of smoking in this movie. Aggressive, uh, and he miserable. Offered,
0: he gets offered a cigarette by, I think, three different characters as well.
2: Mm. M- Marlborough definitely paid for some Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, They've definitely, definitely paid for some there, budget. Yeah. That's not not okay at all. Uh, so they're in 2007. They are a couple on a mission now. Um, they head over to the asylum because they decide we should get some answers if we know you're going to, if we know you die in four days' time. Let's uh, back in 1992. Let's try and figure it out. It's a novel idea. Let's solve a crime from 15 years in the future. You can see the roots of the idea. They're going to be walking around in 2007 trying to solve a crime that happened in 1992. It sounds like an episode of not Poirot, but, you know, like cosmic Poirot, at cosmic least. Cosmic Poirot. God, that's the I'd, a be into that, I'd yeah. love to see that. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Poirot, Thanos, just <laughs> hanging out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They have the chat, they, they meet Dr. Lawrence, uh, and this is the same Dr. Lawrence that we know and is with us. Jennifer Jason Lee is part of the asylum squad in 1992, where Jack is still seemingly in this morgue drawer. And yet, fast forward to 2007, 15 years later, and now we see her again. She's still working at the asylum. She believes that Jack is now the nephew of the Jack she knew 15 years ago. And they're just asking, How did he die? She mentions that Jack in the past helped her hugely with the treatment of a uh, young Arab child uh, named Bebek. Uh,
0: He's suffering from some sort of mental deficiency and he is unable to learn at the normal rate.
1: He's never spoken. That's a big point of it. We later find out
2: that the big help Jack gives her is just to reveal to her that he's having... Uh, my, he's having microscopic seizures he's yeah. having uh, small seizures that are constant c- uh, yeah constant causing uh, heavy yeah. issues for him
0: you might wonder in this scene about how he he could possibly be having seizures and she doesn't notice there's kind of three phases to a seizure the very first one is where you go stiff and then there's a second stage where you have the kind of the twitching that people associate with the jerking and then there's the final stage where you're kind of often barely conscious right if he's going through kind of constant mini seizures he might not ever enter the second
2: phase and just be constantly stiffening up and it would be very difficult to tell Mm. very fair and I, I understand the the complexities of it and I, I think there is something and I don't want to dwell on it too much because it's not a particularly happy thing for me to talk about but I, there is something in this movie uh, that I don't appreciate about the presentation of Arabs in as much as their children will shoot you uh, in the face if you're in their country invading them and uh, now we have a child here who is at the beck and mercy of an American he's you know in America just there absolutely helpless just oh and you know understandably overjoyed to be receiving the 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 treatment his mother and you know i imagine him but it's just such a it's such an american viewpoint on how these uh and and I, it's it's quite an international cast we have a british director there's a spread it's a iranian uh, uh iranian american screenwriter i would have hoped that there was some and granted maybe i'm hoping for too much in 2005 but i would have hoped there was a little bit more nuance in the way in which you are predominantly showing the
1: only people in this movie who are not white. I did also think it was quite telling that the toy he's playing with is is an action man dressed in exactly the same Gulf War uniform as... A little bit awkward. Jack is wearing, yeah. I think there's mild intimation and they don't say this. And
2: if if someone, if, if, you know, the writer ever got on the phone to me and said, like, I absolutely did not mean that. And there's nothing to say that. I would say, yeah, there wasn't. I'm just speculating. But speculatively, uh, I would say there's a mild insinuation that this kid, because he's playing with that little soldier doll, you know, and he likes what Mm. the soldiers did for him, is probably... Uh, someone who was uh, allowed to uh, seek uh, uh, asylum from Iraq to America in 2000 and in 2003. This movie yeah. is set in 2007. So that would track. And again, it's just that kind of being helpless and being being at the mercy of America and, and all that kind of stuff. I didn't care for it. I don't like to see it pop up in films. It didn't ruin this film for me. I, you know, the amount of films I wouldn't be able to enjoy if I, the me, the minute anything kind of popped up about American imperialism or or American foreign policy or yeah. American war kind of stuff, I probably wouldn't watch many films. Mm.
0: I mean, there's a few other controversial areas here. I mean, like the electroshock therapy. That's always a controversial topic, getting more and more controversial as time yeah.
2: passes. And that's the therapy that she that that that's what. Uh, uh, Jack comes back He tells Dr. and He comes back from 2007 To the 1992 Dr. Lawrence, And says He gives her the Convincer chat he, he says a line That I quite liked Which was I've seen a time That's not this time yeah. That's his way of saying Like you're going to say You're going to I know what I'm about to say Is crazy But here it is And instead of saying I travel through time I travel to the future He pares it down Into a less mm. crazy thing To say of I've I've witnessed a time that's not this time so you quite, know what I'm
1: saying. It's quite an eloquent phrase actually for for somebody like he he obviously was he's trying to explain to quite a few people during this that this is what's happening to him and it would be a good way of explaining it to somebody who didn't who you didn't think would understand so yeah it makes sense I guess.
0: Did you notice the slightly depressing detail in the graveyard when he was just before he came back to the future? Sorry, I, just before I did he came not. back to the past. No. So uh, the two graves there There's one which is obviously his grave Where it shows that he was born in 1964 Which is in in reality Nine years before Adrian Brody was actually born uh, But then it also shows Nine Ru- years
2: before So he's playing a character nine years older than Adrian He
0: is but time is, yeah, makes yeah, yeah. sense no, for his age that. in yeah. the future Yeah, um, and damn, then, you, Adrian. <laughs> damn you Adrian <laughs> But then the grave next to his is Rudy's grave And we see that Rudy died in 2004, which means he never left the hospital. He died in the hospital as well in 2004. Also, he was born in 1952, which is... 16 years before Daniel Craig was born, so I don't imagine he appreciates
2: that. Oh, you awful Rudy. Oh, I no, feel I
1: just I didn't pick that at all. I absolutely I didn't, didn't even he clock the it. gravestone to no, the right. right. That's a
2: really good catch, actually. Yeah. Now, this this small reveal that, as we said, that the, him having this small convincer chat with Lawrenson uh, is, a, is a very brief moment in the film when we almost immediately, having just come off the back of round three, we zoom forward and we're going for round four in the box. It's Domino's time, baby. I want a fresh pepperoni this time round. Crank up the jacket slide in the trucks <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> and round four is them going for becca in the future they've just round three they went for Lawrence in the future and now they're in 2000 they, he's gone back to 2007 and he says you know time to get to the bottom of this i need to find out how i die and the best person to find out how i die future and told me this so now i'm gonna go and find future becca a Travels. Over. They, they do a bit of sleuthing. He, they make their way to a church and Becca's walking out and they have their confrontation with Becca. This is one of the more elegant time travel moments in the movie and maybe my favorite time travel moment in the movie. It's the moment where Becca tells, in this exchange in the future, Becca tells Jack, I am haunted by the people that I did these uh, experiments on. I'm haunted by what I've done. There was a moment before your death where you looked at me, Jack, back in 1992 and you screamed at me the names of the people that I had hurt and it haunts me to this day. The Jack he's telling it to immediately hops back to 1992 and screams in his face because he's just been told. And so it's a nice circular kind of thing of you tell me the names so I shout them. But the reason you tell me is because I shouted.
1: Interestingly, and I don't know if you picked up on this, when Becca, future Becca, tells Jack the names, he mentions three names. Yeah. When Jack screams the names back at him back in 1992, yes. back in 1992, he also adds Rudy to that list. Mm. Now, I don't know why he does that. Now, Becker doesn't, doesn't know. say Rudy.
2: Becca doesn't mention Rudy. Is no, he... Becca so...
1: doesn't mention Rudy. So... Is he hiding the Rudy or did Rudy
2: not actually? Was Rudy not actually involved in those experiments because Rudy is a crazy? That's
1: where I was coming from with this.
0: That's interesting. That's so interesting. Because up until now, there's been no possibility of anything that he's done potentially altering the future that we've seen. But I wonder if him screaming a fourth name actually might alter Dr. Becker's future. Because the very next thing that we see is Jack getting on his day release, which I've no idea how he managed to get <laughs> that. Well, well, you know, uh, he
2: helped Lawrence and cure Bebek, so She's now is going to drive him around. She's not subtle about taking him out either. So, <laughs> She's just...
0: so he gets his day release and he is going to do something, the f- kind of the first obvious and maybe only trope that we see in this film, he's going to do something to alter the fate of one of his loved ones. Because he's going to go and give a letter to Jackie's mother, Jean Jane. She says Jane, I think the first time, but it's definitely Jean.
2: Something I was just praying that it wasn't like Jacqueline or some <laughs> Jean. variant. on another J though. Ryan, though.
0: But honestly, I, I I tried. I looked hard for different tropes in this film. All I could really find was he travels against his will, accidentally the first time. Oh yeah, that's a kind fair. of a kind of classic trope. The only other one I really found was saving a loved one. I mean. We have talked about how time travel makes you crazy. In this one, maybe crazy makes you time travel. And we have talked about how sleeping and time travel are linked. And in the very first Morgdor episode, he doesn't go unconscious and doesn't travel. So maybe he has to go unconscious to travel. But it's really very light on the tropes.
2: I mean, now now that you mention it, I like to think that I will pick up on the tropes as and when they come and I got to the end of this movie and I couldn't think of any. And you mentioned some very good ones that I I didn't pick up on, but it is quite light on those kind of like time travel classics, let's say, to the extent where I don't even know if it wants to pitch itself as a time travel movie, if it would rather, even though it is a time travel movie in which someone time travels, I think it would rather be like oh we're
1: a uh, like a romantic mystery. Mm. You you would expect with with what is effectively five time jumps if you like yeah. there to be more time travel tropes. I really you would You just have. would expect that.
0: Yeah, and I I mean maybe there are some I've missed. Maybe as we watch more time travel films we'll I'll look on this retroactively and go mm. oh I missed this really obvious one, you yeah. know, where he goes to a graveyard, but at the moment this seems to be the only kind of tropes I could find.
2: And that kind of thing of of intervening with the future, of, of leaving that uh, letter with Jackie's mother in 1992, teeing up some kind of, of switch, some kind of change uh, for the future that he's visited in 2007. He's he's kind of doing that selflessly. He's found out from his exchange with future Becca that he only gets one more jump, that he only has one more moment to kind of jump back into the future before he will die he doesn't find out from Becca as well the nature of how he dies. So he's just stumbling into his own death without rhyme nor reason. He just knows that it will be blunt force trauma to the head. But
0: he does choose to use his kind of powers, I suppose, in that his his burden of being a prophet, he he uses his powers for as far as we can tell. Good. He's trying to improve Jackie's life.
2: He is. And it's, it's really sort of like um, there was a moment when I almost expected him to selfishly Find some means of inserting himself to guarantee the relationship for himself in the future, which would be incredibly creepy, of course, because it's with a child. And there is a little bit uh, of a, of a uh, slightly creepy tinge to the notion of meeting someone when they're that young and then traveling forward into the future and having a relationship with them. There's something not right there. There's something that doesn't sit right with me. I'm not going to call it what I think a lot of people might say and that it's just super pedo-ish and creepy but it's not comfortable
0: just a mental note for us all we need to try and remember this scene this discussion when we watch time traveler's wife yeah because shout. that's a big feature of that is that is yeah. it creepy that he's got this relationship with her as an adult and as a child
1: yeah very yeah good point They're a similar thing actually but, interesting right, keep that okay. in
0: your brains for the yeah. future
2: and so after jack has done and we're, we're we're rolling towards the climax of this film now after jack has done his selfless act of of. Trying to influence Jackie's mother to not to be such an incredible piece of shit. One of many pieces of shit in this movie. Can I just say lots of absolutely crappy people? The movie, as I said, starts with about forty or fifty in the desert. Um, he heads back to the asylum. It's nineteen ninety two. Lawrence and drives him back after the, after his day trip out. And lo and behold, what's the blunt force trauma? What's the what? What does him in? He, he just, just trips over. Slips over. Slips on some ice. Any kind you think there's any kind of uh meaning to that? Is like, is the ice his relationship and is the fall his life? I, wife? Mean, I think don't he, I think he just falls I over, Scott. Falls over, <laughs> falls over, right?
0: There is a, a kind of poignant flashback to oh. demonstrate that previously he was shot in the head, now he's fallen over and hit his head. Like there's a kind of mirrored scene there, which normally you would just see that and go, Oh, there's a mirrored scene here. But they throw a very obvious flashback in your face to go, mm. do you
2: remember that he was hit in the head before with a bullet? One... It starts and it ends. Bullets. <laughs> Not One... bullets, head injuries.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One thing I thought was a little bit weird was he gets back in the car after speaking to Jackie's mum and he's like drooling and looks like he's getting ill. And I figured, was it because he's approaching his death? I didn't know why he was, because he's, he's he looked, similarly he after suddenly the belly like like he's ill. And after, I was like, the,
2: after the future chat with Becca, he is also quite ill in the yeah. back of her, uh, in the back of
1: Kira Knightley's four x four, and then he disappears from the back seat. Or is it because he's kind of being pulled back into the box, into his Maybe body? He's, There's he's like he's the not box in for too, He's in the
2: box for too long back in nineteen ninety two, and the physical fatigue is starting to affect his yeah. soul. I'm gonna... into
0: going to throw something else out there this is the first obvious and potentially only time that he has altered the future is his Mm. illness here because he's been to a future time that's different to this and he now has caused the future to diverge yeah and his kind of illness, his fatigue here, might be because he is branching a timeline. Do you think he's paradoxing
1: out? Kind I think of he's like, paradoxing yeah. out. Like it's, the ear bleeds it, in Primer. Yeah, and it's the yeah. Marty McFly vanishing from existence thing, isn't it? And kind of yeah.
2: I don't mind paradoxing out, but yeah. you can't do it in a movie where a guy has a number of other medical conditions yeah. and expect me to be like, <laughs> oh, you yeah, see this? This is timeline. This this bad feeling is timeline. The other stuff is maybe angina and some other stuff. <laughs> yeah. like this, this, is the, this is the timeline. Um, yeah. Slips on the ice, blunt force trauma is dying and so he goes for his final Domino's pizza uh, entry into the oven slid on in there toppings are plenty couple of green peppers some chives some uh, salami some onions you know you name it he's going really breath heavy because he's not going to meet anyone ever again he's dying in this box this time round and at the same time we mentioned it earlier on when we were sort of crisscrossing the time travel back and forth I'm sorry Adam <laughs>
1: I'm a bitch every fucking time we record you do something and I just lose it I can't even oh. we,
2: um, they slide him on in and this is his last and we see some flashbacks. We see the flashback of him earlier in the movie lying on the floor to kind of get the the symmetry with this end scene. We see Becca feeling remorseful, sat you know just l- gloomily looking into the distance. We see the mother not being a piece of crap, putting down a cigarette and going and looking after her child for maybe the first time ever, which is wonderful. And then Jack both dies, and as we spoke about when we were sort of crisscrossing over the the time travel before, he both dies in this box. And is transported in essence, mind, body and soul, maybe not body, but definitely in those other ones, to 2007 to commence a relationship with a Knightley who now doesn't know him because he changed the timeline. She would surely, can I just ask, remember the tow truck incident because the tow truck incident happens after it happens in 1992, but before he is able to time travel.
0: Yeah, so he would. She would still have his dog tags somewhere. Perfect.
2: Because his mother was
0: still a drunk when they first met. So yeah. in her house, he will probably go back now, and this will be very confusing to her when he has to have a second chat. Unless he decides, I won't mention it. I'll see those dog tags and go, What a bizarre coincidence. You know, my name is
2: also Jack. It'd probably be healthier I mean he is hiding Something from her Admittedly But it's less creepy Than Hi I'm the guy who I mean uh, Actually now that I Now that I write it out If he just said Oh Hey uh they get to know each other jackie oh i helped a little girl called jackie and she says oh you're that guy she now doesn't have the horrific newspaper clipping of his yeah. of his gruesome death yeah.
0: except she does have to question why are you so young and good looking compared to what you should be at this point why aren't you 10 plus years older Moisturizer
1: maybe he'll
2: lie to so her and little. say i'm his nephew the way he did to lawrence and in the asylum yeah yeah you know, maybe he'll pull that maybe. one out the bag uh also if who she knows, does she realize guess. who she is she should say listen about 15 years ago, my mother turned her life around. She gave up alcohol, she stopped smoking, and we've lived a lovely life ever since. I've no idea why, but it's been fantastic. But about a week before that point, you let her drive me off drunk <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> so stay away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to a close uh, for the jacket, Jacques Jacquin in the Jacket uh, from 2005. I think it's a it's a really just uh, isolating the time travel alone it's a it's quite a simple form of time travel it's something we haven't done thus far in terms of I I I think of it as like a visit and a return almost like a being on a being on a bungee cord and trying to run forward and then it pulls you back and you run forward and it pulls you back it's that kind of movie that's kind of how it felt to me it's it's a movie that you can at least in discussing its structure around the fact that he ping-pongs back and forth from 92 to 2007 to 92 to 2007, and he does it four and a bit times, uh, with the fifth being his
1: death jump. What do you think had a bigger budget? Chrono Criminus or this?
0: The fact that you've asked me that question.
1: Surely not. There's no way this had a lower budget than. Lost no, it Corpsman, no. No. Oh, just thank you. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this budget, though, twenty-nine million dollars sounds about yeah, right. Okay. Brody was a big star Quite. in two thousand and five. Daniel Craig was. I mean, Daniel Craig had done Snatch by this point, hadn't he? It was Snatch before? He's in Snatch. Before. He does Layer Cake. Oh, sorry, Layer Lay Cake. Yeah. I always get them confused. Yeah, but he's on his. He's that. on the ascendancy. He's, he's nailed Bond. Keira
2: Knightley's on a way up. Crucially, we know the world knows he
1: is Bond yeah, when this movie comes out. Uh, it only made 21 million worldwide. So 20, what was the first one? 29, 25, 29. Eight and eight million 29 lost, and
2: 21. So, so I can yeah. see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think this does, I think this probably deserved the loss a little more than Chronic Reminis did did.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I mean,
2: it's that's for some films, the losses are much higher than that. Yeah. I think sort of, this reminds me, uh, that when I think of this movie, I think the first thing I'll ever, I'll remember whenever I think of it, is that it's just kind of grey? It's kind of it's a gloomy movie to look yeah. at. Previously,
0: well, I've written notes on the pan- kind of palette colours of the films. Like *Chrono Creminus*, I mentioned that um, I certainly wrote in my notes that there are certain scenes with obvious colours. Like there's obvious reds, obvious pinks. But it's it's overall it's not a very well coloured film. But there are some obvious moments in this film. It is just greyscale the
2: whole film. It feels like it mm. at points. There, it's yeah. a it's a really and you know, I'm I know the scenery being, you know, the very snowy Scottish island, it's still quite desolate, it's still quite sparse, it's still quite and there's so many moments and I, I get it, you're in an asylum, you're in a morgue drawer, you're in this and that, but my eyes were never
1: titillated no. at any point. One thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys did. When Jack falls, crack his head on the ice, we see Rudy appear at the window. And Wrapped around Rudy's fingers is a piece of green paracord on what looks like a key ring. Okay. Around his fingers.
2: I didn't
0: notice that. I didn't notice that.
1: What I thought was really bizarre though was a couple of frames later when you're getting that kind of flash moment of uh, you get Dr. Becker looking um, remorseful, remorseful and, the mother and changing her ways. You also get a shot of um, the stranger in a bar.
0: Oh yeah, drinking away his, you know, his sorrows except he's for his...
1: also spinning what I think was a piece of paracord around his fingers on a ring
2: to insinuate that he's rude the stranger's rudy look
1: i don't know but i there's something weird about rudy's character that didn't sit with me right through the entire film and i would have said if it wasn't for that moment where they kind of create that riot with all of the... they're doing the kind of therapy session and they create that riot yes. and that's how jack gets back in the box i would have said he didn't actually exist
0: i'll be honest I I don't My, think there's a link between the two. I think it's probably just the prop I cupboard don't either, had had it, just these number of props and he was like, Oh, what should we give him to fiddle with? I'll just give him the green paracord." What,
1: what sort of confused me about it though was you don't see it on Rudy's hand anywhere else in the movie. There's no relevance just this to it. One moment. It's very there's a the kind of pane of glass he's looking through is frosted, so you can just see his face and his hand at that exact point. It's just it weird. It feels a little bit
2: deliberate. I mean, I'm picturing, I'm... the, especially the flashback scene with the stranger in the bar. And why else would you include that? Granted, you, you're showing... Every person in the movie who's been a piece of crap, just feeling weird. bad about themselves, and yeah. or changing their ways. But it's a bizarre prop to have. I think there's just as much chance of James, you being right in yeah. that It's just the the prop drawer wasn't that it's uh, densely vague. populated. It's
1: super vague. It could be anything. But it's just
2: it's e- just weird. Equally, it could have been a very strong element of the storyline that they completely chopped out on the editing floor. It could there could have been a strong strong through line of and Rudy's actually the stranger, and just as just as Adrian Brody wants, just as Jack wants to do his last jump to go and be. with with Keira Knightley Rudy kills him or something like that
0: or even more perhaps when he's lying on the ground after having having a PTSD moment because of the gunshot yeah. he sees that green paracord and maybe for the rest of the film it is just a delusion and so maybe. he is just putting items that he knows yeah. in places oh, that dear he knows God, don't make if, me
1: watch this Becker, again I'm gonna want to find had out one on his desk I would totally be on board with it and i didn't look that closely imagine if there is imagine
2: i'm gonna you know what i i would be interested in reading the 1915 story or at least getting a bit more detail yeah Yeah, because maybe in that there is an element of someone being a a double crosser or something who knows um do
1: you want just another quick couple of bits of trivia that i found out about this movie while we're on it sure two actors two other actors were in line to play jack's role instead of adrian brody okay Marky Mark Wahlberg. Oh, dear God. Oh, my. In Imagine that
2: movie. Boogie Nights. Yeah, Boogie <laughs> Nights. I mean, Mark Wahlberg. It's, it's like years. It's years after Boogie Nights, but at that point, he's
1: still Boogie Nights yeah. Wahlberg. And uh, Colin Farrell.
2: Okay. I
1: can really I can see that. See Colin Farrell. I can see like really Colin really. Farrell do it. Easy. 100%. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I found that I thought was quite interesting was. Um, any of the moments where you see Adrian Brody crying in the box?
2: <laughs> I that, just love a good fact that begins that. <laughs> Whenever you see him crying in a box.
1: <laughs> that is because in between every take, he asked the director to shot him in the box so he could experience what oh, it was like to be oh, in oh, there for a long of time. Daniel Day-Lewis method acting, Adrian. Looking um, for another Oscar, Adrian. Yeah. Oh,
0: my uh, goodness. Adam, correct me if I'm wrong. You, you did some level of theatre.
1: Some i would call myself a thespian if you will.
0: would you, <laughs> would you for the role of this film allow yourself to go into the box just to be the thing that makes you cry no not at all
1: no okay no i don't need that i'll go do fucking anything else
2: <laughs> i'll just work the I'll boom sell mic. myself yeah <laughs> I'll, just... <say> <laughs> I'll fund this movie by selling myself instead of going in that box thank you so much um <laughs> We are drawing to a close, gentlemen, but it, it is my responsibility now to ask you how this one compares up against the four movies we've already done. I think it's not a very hard moment of deliberation and there are some obvious, uh, uh, obviously very good movies on our list already. We have in ascending order, starting in at bottom on the list in number four, we have A Sound of Thunder. Then we move up to ARQ in third place and in second place, Los Cronocrimenes, just with a fraction higher info First spot is Primer.
1: I think we all three of us should know where this sits.
0: I I think I'm going to put it just above Sound of Thunder and yeah. below uh, ARQ. Makes exactly sense.
2: It's written out there yeah. in the stars. Uh, it is better than Sound of Thunder because how could it not be? And I
0: I think it's going to be a long time before we find a film worse than Sound of Thunder.
2: Yeah. I think you might be surprised by how short a time it is. <laughs> <Can> I... <laughs> oh God. And little did they know how short a time it would be. If you would like to share the Time Travel Film Club with friends before the next episode, you can find TTFC on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And we will be hugely, immensely grateful if you could give us a rating and review on any of those platforms to help our Wii Film Club find more ears. Not like we're collecting ears like a serial killer or anything. I just mean that we want more people to hear the thing. Now, as always, if you like to get in
1: touch with us Facebook Time Travel Film Club or Twitter Time Travel Club and
0: the subreddit r slash Time Travel Film Club or an email to timetravelfilmclub at gmail.com
2: For our next episode we will be watching 2014 Australian movie 41 which you can find on Amazon and on YouTube and in a couple of other places it's actually very very gettable So, until then, love from the past, see you in the future.